Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, y'all, welcome to the happy hour. I'm your host, Jamie. Last Wednesday of the month, we have made it through October and we're still talking about collaboration. It's another episode of Collaboration Over Competition. And today, two of my favorite people are here. I literally wish that I was like 16 years old again, just so David and Sissy could be in my life. Um, They can be in my life as 44, but they both work at Daystar Counseling Ministries and work with teens, adolescents, young children. And I love their wisdom so, so much. So we start off talking about what it's like for them to work together and speak together and collaborate together. But then I got down to business. And if you're a parent uh, listening, the last part of this, you're just going to want to take all the notes in the world and you're going to want to go get everything they've ever, ever done. Because we literally talk about how hard it is these days to be a parent. And I also said it's hard to be a teenager. So combine all of those together. And it is hard work right now, you guys. David and Sissy are so wise and they have so many great resources. So they have a podcast. Go check out their podcast called Raising Boys and Girls. And I highly recommend it. They're about to start season five. Go catch up on the last four seasons. And then they both write books and they write amazing books that I think are important for all of us parents. Um, David just released a book this year called Raising Emotionally Strong Boys. Sissy's latest book is called Brave, A Teen Girl's Guide to Beating Worry and Anxiety. And that's for girls. And she also wrote Raising Worry-Free Girls. Girls. Sissy was also on the happy hour in January of 2021 in episode 360. And we have a really great conversation about anxiety and teen girls and even in parents. And so highly recommend that show. I just really love talking to these two and could talk to them for hours. Uh, and I think you're going to love them as well. They are both kind and warm and really, really, really want to see teenagers and parents really succeed in what they're doing in life. They want to see emotionally healthy people. And I think you're going to feel that from them. You guys, thanks for listening. If you are enjoying the happy hour, one of the best gifts you could give us is a rating and or a review wherever you listen to shows. It's not to build our ego, you guys, not at all. I promise. It's literally to help more people find our show. And we believe in the guests that we bring on. We believe in the shows that we create, and we would love for more people to have access to them. So we would be super, super happy if you would go do that sometime today. You guys, thanks for being here. I'm really happy that you're listening. Here is my conversation with Sissy Goff and David Thomas. David and Sissy, welcome to the happy hour. Thank Thank you you for for having having us back. (laughs) <laughs> Y'all said that in sync, like you guys do a lot of work together is all I have to say. I mean, you guys are like right on, which I love so much. Um, Sissy, I'm so happy to have you back on. David, I'm so glad that you're on the happy hour. So before we get started, before we jump in, I want you guys to give your little short little elevator pitch, what you do, who you are. And we're going to start with you, Sissy. 
Okay. I am a counselor. I'm the director of child and adolescent counseling at Daystar Counseling Ministries, where I've been counseling girls and families since 1993, which makes me feel really old. And out of that work, I have gotten to travel and speak to folks all over the country, often with David, and write a lot of books. And we have our own podcast that we have been blessed to have you as a guest on called Raising Boys and Girls. And I counsel with the help of my little pet therapy dog, Lucy the Havanese. And so that's kind of elevator pitch of me. I love it. David, what about you? I am the director of family counseling here at Daystar. I've been here for 25 years. Sissy and I like to say we started when we were six and seven years of age. So we've (laughs) been at it it a while and do a lot of work with boys, adolescent young men and their families. Love this work I get to do. And as Sissy said, the privilege we've had of out of this work, being able to write some books and travel around the country and speak with parents. And I'm super grateful for that. I'm also the proud parent of three young adult kids. I have three college age kids. So incredibly grateful for what I learned from the kids I live with and the kids I've worked with. Listen, you guys, the amount of time you spent doing this, it makes you old. It makes you wise. That's what I want you to know. It's like, it makes you very wise. Very kind, Jamie. And I want to say as a mom, I mean, I have gleaned so much wisdom from you guys from afar. Uh, I don't get the privilege to live in Nashville and head into y'all's little cute little counseling center and sit down with you and my kids uh but the ivs are fans of counseling and i just learned so much from you guys from your podcasts and from instagram and from your books and so it's an honor to have you both thank you thank you well we're we feel like it's such privilege well that's awesome well this whole series is collaboration over competition and i wanted to talk to people who work closely together and you guys do that you work closely together and so i first of all want to ask have you always seen what you do as like this tag team type of thing or i would assume you started out pretty separate and you guys do separate work for sure but over the last couple of years you've done a lot together and so can i hear about how that happened when did that start to occur tell me a little bit about that transition well i'll jump in first because i as i said i started at day day star in 93 and david started in 97 and so what happened was i used to write for ccm magazine which was this christian music magazine may still be around but that was kind of a side gig for me and i interviewed this artist who's road manager. Is that what your, what was your title? Yes. Road manager. Road manager was David. And I didn't know at the time he was in grad school and he came to, he asked me if I'd go to lunch with him and we went to lunch and he said, I just love Daystar's about, I would love to talk to somebody there about getting a job. And I said, oh no, we're not hiring, (laughs) which is terrible. I can't even believe all these years later. But I went to our dear friend and boss, Melissa, and she said, you did what? Of course, I'd love to meet David. And so the rest is history. And then eventually it turned into speaking together, writing books together. David, you you were speaking first. So I don't know if you want to talk about how you started doing that and then invited me in on the journey with you. Yeah, I think honestly, Jamie, a lot of the books that we've written both separately and together have come out of teaching the content first. And then, you know, seeing that evolve, seeing parents respond to what's helpful, what's most helpful, and then writing out of that space. And I have to date only authored one book by myself. I might argue that was the biggest mistake I've made to date. Everything else I've co authored, most with this brilliant woman. And And I think, honestly, like with teaching, it has made me a better writer. It's made me a better teacher. I I just believe so much in collaboration. I 
have long said and will always believe that, you know, I don't have a lot of skills in place, but I do have amazing skills in terms of connecting with people who outpace me. Like Mm -hmm. I, I can see that theme throughout my story. Like in grad school, I was scooting my desk over closer to the smartest people in my class. One of my dearest friends was magna cum laude at Duke. And I remember day one thinking, do group projects with her. Like she is on her game (laughs) and feel the same way about Sissy. And I think to the degree that I surround myself with people who outpace me, it just makes me stronger in, in every area of my life, not just vocationally, but personally on every level. So I've long said, we'll always believe Sissy is everything that ends in ER more than I am. Smarter, funnier, more interested, like all the ERs I would add to that it. Is and not I think true, in res- David it is true. And in response to it, it just strengthens my skill set. I really do believe that. So incredibly grateful to be able to collaborate with this great woman. We used to say we were the Donnie Marie of parenting and we would put up this silly picture of them when we would speak together until none of the parents knew who Donnie and Marie were anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, so we, we need a new example, out. a new example. <laughs> You know, it's funny, David, that you're talking about that. I'm in the middle of working on a new project right now. And I have, it's it's not something I have, it's not a first time for me to do this, but it's like the first time I've literally from the beginning brought in people to work alongside with me on this project. Mm. Whereas in the past, it's like, I do a lot of work by myself, by myself, by myself. And at the end, bring people in. And I'm in the middle of this project going, I'm never going to do anything else alone like i literally am never going to do anything else alone and i love that you said that because you guys have your own practices you write your own books you do your own speaking and you're literally saying it's so much better when we're together and it's such an example for everyone listening whether you work in an office or or your parenting or your teacher like really to look around and not be afraid so i want to ask you this and you can be as honest as i'd love you to be it's like Yes, you collaborate really well together. Is there ever any fear of what if someone likes them more? What if they excel more? What if people buy more of their books? Does that ever cross your mind? Oh, I'll jump in and say, I I know that's what happens. Like, if you spend five minutes in the room with us, you'll like her more. Like, you just will. (laughs) And I'm so okay with that. It it is 100% true. true. In fact, Jamie, I had this hilarious conversation with one of my best friends recently because I brought that skill set to my marriage and he was with a friend having breakfast who was going through a hard divorce. And he was saying, it's this complicated space where it feels like our friends are having to pick sides. Mm. And I just want to let you know, if something ever happens to you and Connie, no one's going to be on your team, (laughs) (laughs) including me. And I laughed so hard and I'm like, and I wouldn't fault you for that. Like I like her better too. And so (laughs) If I am willing to take a step back and think, you know what, that's part of what strengthens me, then I could get stuck in a place of competing with that. Or I could just think it's just what makes your writing better, teaching better. It's what makes people feel more engaged. And so I would also say, Sissy and I have a unique thing in play and that we're both Enneagram ones as well. So I think we value a lot of the same strengths, which I wonder about how that might keep us from competing with each other as well, because we're, it seems like we're moving in the same direction in a lot of how we think about the work. What would you say in addition to that, Sissy? Well, I would add, I mean, I think we're, yes, we're so similar in how we are wired. David's son was on staff. We, I, at Daystar, we have a little summer retreat program called Hopetown and David's son was on staff this summer. And I said something to him about, you know, we get often that we are really similar in our responses and how we talk. And he said, 
oh yeah, it's freaked me out all summer long. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I, I think part of the benefit of us both being ones is that there are definitely times we will be sitting, you know, we speak so much together and Dave will be talking and I think David's hilarious and he's so wise. And I lean in so much because I have two nephews right now that I get to be around a lot. And I just feel like I'm learning from David every time I'm with him. And I can definitely think, oh, they are so responsive to him and I'm not on my best game today. But because I'm a one, it doesn't stay about David. It becomes about me really quickly. And I can definitely, in the middle of speaking or writing or anything, get in a, a shame spiral, we call it a lot of times. But it is, it's not as much about comparison with anyone other than myself and what I expect out of myself, if that makes sense. So yeah, totally. I, I do think we have a, a great benefit of when we go to those darker places, it doesn't become about the other person. And that means we, you know, inevitably have to work ourselves out of it. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. 
I personally love a good 45 minute hip hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. You know, I think it's um, true for all of us and whatever we're doing. I really am a big believer in like, uh, what is this phrase, the saying that says like, when one ship rises, we all rise or, or whatever that is. Yes. I, I really, I've never heard that, but I love it. That like in my core, I believe that like people ask me all the time, like, oh, someone else is starting a podcast. Does that bother you? I'm like, no, more podcast listeners. Yes, I love it. Um, but I love what you guys said, because it doesn't change that there's never this kind of like thing that comes up inside of us, because that is like sin and Satan. And he would love nothing yes. better. Than just get in the middle of something that is so good. And it is this matter of like, no, I, I, I feel it come up and I'm going to fight it. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever it takes mm -hmm. to squash that. Mm -hmm. You know, you guys do yes. work so well together. And David, you, you have a recent book about raising emotionally strong boys and sissy, you've got a teen girl's guide to beating worry and anxiety. And I'm a mama over here that's parenting both of those boys and girls. And so I would love to hear just how you guys use your, if David, if your specialty is helping like raise strong boys and Sissy, you're over here helping us raise our, our worry-free, anxious girls, how do y'all see each other helping each other in your teaching when you're kind of speaking to two different, um, I mean, you're not in different lanes, you're speaking to parents, but girl right. parents, boy parents, some of us have both. How do y'all feel that each other's strengths kind of help each other, help you out? Great question. You know, it's interesting how many times over the years we've had parents approach us at the book table after a class and say, you know, I only I have only girls, but it was super helpful to hear me teach, mm -hmm. to hear you teach on boys because she's in class with them all day long. Mm -hmm. She's going to be dating them at some point along the way, like this sense of understanding that. And I've thought a lot about that when we're going back and forth in the content, speaking unique to gender and thinking, I do believe it's helpful in that way. I, th I think it's really helpful in terms of understanding these differences and how they both come together and how they work against each other sometimes. And so that's one thing I throw out. Sissy, what would you say in addition to that? Well, I would just add that there are things like attention deficit disorder, which if a parent of a girl with ADHD is listening to us, they will often attach more to what David's talking about than what I am, because girls with ADHD have more physicality to their emotions, which is what he talks so much about. They also miss a lot of social cues so they can start to struggle some socially. So there are places that there's a good crossover that I think we catch a brighter, a broader swath of parents than we would individually that I think makes it more helpful. Plus, I think it's so fun. I don't know if you've been to seminars where there's two people teaching. I went to, I got to take a class, which was amazing in my 20s from Madeline Langle and Lucy Shaw on writing, which will go down in history as one of the best things I've ever done. I imagine, and yes. to hear both of them, yes, to hear both of them speak, you know, you just because they're different people, you hear different things, you attach in different ways. And, and I think we get to do that with folks too. 
I love it so much. Okay, let's jump into parenting a little bit, all right? Okay. Uh, I'm going to try. Whenever I talk to people who are smart and wise counselors like you, I try not to bring my own personal counseling session to the table. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> this is a podcast for everybody. But I, I do want to ask, I have a lot of parents who listen to my show. And in your very um, wise opinions right now, what are some of the greatest struggles that parents are having right now in raising kids? I would argue that it's never been a harder time to be a parent. I really would. And in doing this work for 25 years, it's never felt like a more challenging time. And I think the first place any of us would likely go would be the animal of technology and and just that reality. Most of our parents didn't have to even think about that because it didn't exist. And what it's like to manage it, manage that, what it's like to safeguard our kids who have exposure to that. But I think in addition to that, the pressures that kids experience in ways that we didn't. And then our parents had to navigate. I was talking with some parents the other day who have a son who's a senior who's in the college process and he is just swimming in worry and pressure around, am I going to get into the school of my choice? And you know, I, I have often laughed when I think back to my own journey. I don't have a, a moment's memory of worrying that I wouldn't get in somewhere. I mean, I went to the University of Tennessee and what you needed at the time to get in was a pulse. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, it's like, it wasn't this out of the park ACT score and, you know, right, this yes. accelerated GPA, all these things. And I see evidence of all the different ways I think that trickles down to kids. And then the parents carry that pressure and worry on their behalf. So I would say those are two ingredients of why I think it's a harder time than ever. That's so good. I always say too, David, that I feel like it is so hard to be a teenager right now. It I mean, is. I yes. look at my kids and what you're saying is so true. Like, our parents didn't have to deal with the things we're having to deal with. And I heard someone the other day talking about technology and they kind of um, related it to when smoking started like becoming like norm. And even like Mm. doctors were like, it's not that big of a deal. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, oh wait, hold up. This is really, really bad. And they were kind of relating technology. Like we have these computers in our hands and we're like, it's no big deal. And they said, they predict in 20 years, people are gonna be going, oh wait, we need to like put a pause on this. This is too much for humanity to handle. Um, And so I- Wouldn't it be nice if every phone came with a sticker that said, (laughs) warning. (laughs) Yes. health. Um, but I think yes. we're, the hard thing about technology too is like, as adults, we're also having to learn alongside of our teenagers. And I think that is also make it, it very difficult. It's not like we're bringing in all this experience because, you know, all three of us, there was no internet really yes. when we were in high school, you know, and we went to, right. I was telling my kids, like we had to walk to another room on campus to use a computer. <laughs> That's what we had to do. Yes. And so we're all learning this at the same time. And so it is hard parenting. Right. It's hard being a teenager. Sissy, what do you say right now about one of the hardest things that's facing parents? Well, I mean, we definitely know that the Surgeon General declared this uh, mental health emergency with kids, and we're sure seeing evidence of that in our offices of anxiety on the rise, depression on the rise, suicidal ideation. I mean, so many different things. And I think we are, as adults, I feel like we are flooding coming out of this pain, this pandemic, you know, we are ready to be done. We've moved on and we are seeing more and more evidence of kids who haven't. Mm. And as I mentioned, we have this little summer retreat program in the summer and I'm the director of it. And so I got to live with kids this summer and watch in a different way than just an hour a week, how it's impacted them. And it was interesting, Jamie, the two things I saw the most with younger ones, Not only did I see a lot of anxiety, but I also saw entitlement that I've never seen with kids. Mm. And I think there was this sense of 
I haven't had to accommodate other people all this time. You know, a little girl who got to two behind a boat, a ski boat, and then immediately wanted to go back to camp when we had 50 other people who were going to get to two. But there's not this sense of I have to work with other people. It's been what we need, what we want in the moment. And so I think those some of those milestones are being missed. And then older kids, I've never seen as much attention seeking behavior as I saw this summer. And I think some of that is the social anxiety that's so rampant with them because they're out of practice. I'm hearing more kids talk about being lonely than I've ever heard in the history of time mm. of my years of counseling. And and I think one of the things, too, that we saw was that, you know, we're broken into age groups at camp. And so we have second through fourth graders, fifth and sixth graders, seventh and eighth graders. Our fifth and sixth graders were operating more like se- second through fourth. Our seventh and eighth graders were operating more like fifth and sixth. It's like we've missed all these milestones with kids. And so now there's this sense of delay in their development that I think we're going to have to be really leaning into and working with for years to come. We're not out of it yet, even yeah. if we are in terms of masks and a lot of the physicality of it. Yeah, that brings me to two questions as you guys are talking, and I'm no stranger to this. I've told you I have teenagers, but there's two questions that keep popping into my mind. Number one is like, how do I know if my kid is lonely? You know, like we, we've got, is this normal teenage hormones? Is this like they just had a bad day? And so what are your tips for parents? It's like, what do I need to be watching out for as a parent? And then my follow-up question is for the parents that are going, I don't need to watch out for anything. I see this, like I am struggling with my kid. What do I do now? So those are kind of two-parted questions for parents. They're great questions. They are great questions. I'm going to jump in and tell a little story first, because I think it's so confusing for parents, especially with adolescents, which Jamie, you're living this. But I mean, we forever have said if we were to pull out the DSM, which is the diagnostic manual and read about depression or bipolar depression, even it would sound just like every adolescent in the country. I'll never forget a mom who said to me, her daughter came to her and said, mom, I'm really struggling. I think I might be bipolar. And this really wise mom said, oh, honey, you're not bipolar. You're never that happy. <laughs> but, you know, emotionally, they're just so all over the place. And internally, it feels that way, too, that we don't know a lot of times. And and adolescents in particular are going to withdraw more from us. They're going to be more moody. They're going to be more sullen. We're going to see more anger. And when we typically tell parents to pay especially close attention is when it feels consistent in all places. So it's not just they're, you're seeing that as their parents, but they're showing that with their peers. I see. They're withdrawing a lot socially. Mm-hmm. And, and I think even anxiety can look like anger and look like sullenness and some of those things. And so we want to pay a lot of attention to, are they withdrawing from all their things and have a lot of conversations? Like you just said, I heard a podcast and somebody I really trust named Jamie said that it was harder than ever to be a teenager than it's been before. What do you think about that? Tell me about that, that we're leaning in and talking with them in all of those ways. David, what would you add? You know, I'd only add to that, that I think if we're going to lean one direction or the other, I want us to lean toward more support rather than less. And so I think if a parent's listening and thinking, I don't think we're in that scary territory, but I worry we could be, we are such advocates of just encouraging parents to do a consultation, take them in to see your pediatrician, let them do a depression rating scale, like put another set of seasoned eyes on the equation where you can get some peace of mind as a parent and kids can get, if needed, some layered support. And we do a lot of those by Zoom or by phone with parents all over the country where we just come together with parents. and We'll say, okay, tell us what you're seeing. Share some observations. Let us recommend some things. We may recommend going ahead and starting counseling. We may recommend 
how about you try these three or four things at home first? And then if that doesn't feel like enough support to kind of jumpstart them moving forward again, then let's look at layering in some additional support. So we're real advocates of let's put another set of eyes on the equation. We don't need to linger for long periods of time worrying and wondering when we could potentially go ahead and just do a consultation to get some good peace of mind. I love that. You know, we've it's 2022 and counseling is not the same as it was in like when all of us were in high school, middle school. Like when I remember as a young teenager, I don't, I did not know anyone that went to counseling. Like counseling was like, you are on you're you're like, everything's about to be over in your life. Like this is the worst yes. place you could ever be. And so counseling and the language around it has come a long ways. Praise God. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question for you guys is I've heard you say, and I've heard you say this before sissy is that a lot of kids are self-identifying. Like I feel depressed. I feel like this fill in the blank. Um, are you seeing parents responding to that? Well, or are parents who are in maybe our generation still going, wait, what? Like, I don't think this is that serious. You just need to get drink some more water and go hang out with a friend. Like, how are you seeing parents <laughs> respond? I don't know why water fixes everything, but there it is. Um, <laughs> it does. Yes. <laughs> are you feeling like parents are maybe responding adequately? Because the truth is, like you said it already, David, it is hard to be a parent right now. And we just went through hell for the last, you know, three years with our, the pandemic. And so we're all trying to catch our breath. How are parents reacting uh, to what you're seeing with teenagers these days? Well, we may have different answers to the questions, but I would jump in first and say, I think we're seeing parents probably overreact more than under anymore. And in this age, as you said, that kids are diagnosing themselves. And some of that is to get their peers to listen. I mean, I had a group of high school girls I met with last week who said, I said, how do you all think culturally kids are defining themselves now? And they talked about all the things you would expect. But one of them said, I think we're defining ourselves by mental health issues. Mm. Isn't that amazing? A kid would say that, a junior in high school. And she said, the problem with that is when you do, you're leaning towards looking at the negative only. And it's being used so much, no one will listen. And so, I mean, I think they're coming out of that space. And then we are wanting so much to help. And I think parents, you know, we could talk so much about anxiety being an epidemic in our country. It's a it's an epidemic among kids and parents. Mm-hmm. And so as adults, we're so anxious and want them to be okay. And we're hearing all these scary statistics that we're jumping in, you know, with both feet to say, okay, we need to do something right now, or we're paying more attention to the struggle sometimes than we are the health or the positive aspects of what's going on with our kids. And so I think we can almost accentuate it in a way. I met with a mom the other day who told me that she had decided that her middle school daughter had rejects rejection sensitivity dysphoria. I've never even and I thought I hadn't either, Jamie. And I immediately (laughs) thought, what middle schooler doesn't have rejection sensitivity dysphoria? You know, every one of us did, but we're over identifying and we're drawing attention to the negative. And so I think there's probably a really important balance between we're going to pay attention and healthy people go to counseling and I'm still going to get you a glass of water because you're going to be okay. You know, that it's really both things. Yeah. Yeah. David, what do you have? I sat with some parents the other day, Jamie, who I thought did a beautiful job of landing in that healthy space, Sissy, just to find of, I want to listen, I don't want to dismiss, but I don't want to pathologize something that's not there. And, you know, here we are recording right now in the month of October and, and their son was 
needing to ask a girl to homecoming dance and hadn't had practice in that space. He's a freshman, was a nervous wreck as any kid would be. They drove him to this girl's house and sitting in the driveway. And he said to his mom, I can't get out of the car. I can't. I'm having a panic attack right now. We need to go back home. And the mom wisely, wonderfully turned around. She looked with a lot of empathy at this boy. And she said, I don't think you're having a panic attack right now. I think your heart is racing faster. I think you're nervous, which makes so much sense. What freshman guy wouldn't be? We're sitting in the driveway about to ask a girl to a dance, and you likely know his dad's going to answer the door. That's a nerve-wracking experience. And walked him through all the normal of that nervous, but didn't pathologize what was going on. And his wise dad had role-played with him the night before what it would be like to knock on the door and talk with her dad. And she's like, you and your dad practice what to do right now. So I love that there was that balance Sissy was describing present in that story. Like, I'm not ignoring it. I'm not saying you're acting ridiculous, but... I'm not going to pull out of the driveway and drive you home in this moment. Sissy talks so much about escape and avoidance are the two biggest traps parents can step into when kids are anxious. I'm going to remind you of your courage. We've practiced before this, and I want to accurately name this experience. And I don't think we can do enough of that with parents because we talk so much in our newest work about helping kids develop an emotional vocabulary so that they're not going to these big words to describe their experience. They're able to say, I feel really sad instead of jumping straight to I'm depressed. Some kids are, some kids aren't. And so we're often claiming these big words or making these big declarations to describe our experience because we don't have an accurate emotional vocabulary. And I think that's a place parents can really step in with a lot of support. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. I love that, uh, you know, adequate emotional vocabulary. And I think... When I'm thinking about that, we've had to do some work with that in our house as well. And I think, man, I think the hard thing for parents sometimes is that they don't have an adequate emotional vocabulary. Yeah. So so we're not. We didn't grow up with it. Grow up with it. Now, I don't think we're as quick as parents to jump to the like, oh, I'm sad, so I must be depressed because also we didn't grow up with that either. And teenagers are really, (laughs) like you said, trying to get that validation and saying, I'm depressed, really get some validation. And so I think one of the first steps I'm hearing you guys is like, maybe we as parents need to work on this emotional vocabulary. And so what is your advice to parents? I mean, I'm even thinking with my kids, like I can tell sometimes what I'm having to learn is like, oh, you're not angry. I think you're overwhelmed. And so even trying to like nail that, because what I wanted to be is just like, why are you acting like this? Like, this is not an adequate response to what's going on. Why are you mad? And I've had to learn as a mom, oh, I don't think they're mad. I think they're overwhelmed. I think they're anxious. Mm, I think they're embarrassed. That's so good, Jamie. And so So what is, how do parents even kind of dig through that 
anger to try to find this other thing because if there's one thing I've learned from smart people like you is like there's usually something other than anger underneath it. What is your advice for parents to kind of dig through that and look for that? Jamie, I want to first say you are 100% on target and your beginning point of it needs to start with us. And I'll tell a quick funny story in response to your question. You know, we're we're in my counseling office as I record this. You can see my couch over my shoulder. There was a little six-year-old girl that came for her very first appointment here at Daystar, sitting on that couch not long ago. And I asked her the question. I said, tell me a little bit about why you're here. What did you and your parents talk about before you came? And she said, I have a lot of toxic relationships. (laughs) Six years old. And I remember thinking Mm. to myself, you shouldn't even know that word, but I'm sure you've heard that word a lot around you and attached to that word because it feels like a big word to describe the what we all suspect might be the normal back and forth conflict we experience in relationships. So to your great question, I do think it starts with us and making sure we're not overusing words. In fact, Sissy talks a lot in Raising Worry-Free Girls about how parents who are anxious use more catastrophic language when they're not even aware that's happening. That sounds like the worst thing. That sounds horrible. And so I think we've got to pay attention to what we're modeling, knowing that Kids learn more from observation than information. So I would absolutely agree with you that I think that's our starting point. Sissy, what else would you say? Well, I love that you said that. And I think here's our collaboration. We can talk about each other's books all day long because I love what he talks about in Raising Emotionally Strong Boys. But but I think to think about starting with managing our own emotions, knowing that's going to impact our kids more than anything, and then having some really healthy coping strategies in place as a family. And that we know when none of us are regulated, that's not the time to try and get to the root of what we're talking about. You know, like you said, something's always underneath the anger, but if we're dealing with it in the moment when everybody's angry, we're not going to get to it. And so David talks so much about a space, having kids have a space where they can go process that they have all these coping strategies in place so they can get to themselves what's underneath the anger and start to learn to regulate themselves. Because as we're talking about anxiety, depression, all these things being at such an epidemic level, the lack of self-regulation has never been as pervasive in our culture. And that's part of the problem. It's part of the big words. It's part of where we're getting into all these really heated moments. And so, to give them space and then to come back and process through it. And our favorite two words as we're helping kids work through anything are empathy and questions that we always start with a lot of empathy because that's going to help them regulate themselves too. That sounds so hard. I can't imagine what that's like for you. Like the dad, I mean, the mom that David was talking about earlier. Yes. It's so hard to ask a girl to a dance. What do you want to do about it? What do you think would help? What do you think God would want you to do in the midst of this situation? Because Being empathetic and asking questions is just a calming exchange anyway. We can't be all elevated when we're doing that. And we're empowering them, which is part of what kids need to work through this epidemic that they're dealing with anyway, is to learn they are resourceful on their own. They don't have to depend on us to be the resources for them. Oh my gosh, so good, you guys. One thing I have learned that's been so helpful in marriage, this is not about marriage, it's about raising kids, but I'm gonna get there, is I've been married for 21 years and someone one time said, you know, sometimes you just need a good night's sleep and then you can talk about it in the morning. And I remember thinking, wow, what happened to like, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And I was like, (laughs) you just need to go to bed. And sometimes you need to fresh start the next day. You need to drink some water in the morning and then you can have a good conversation. And I've seen the same thing with my kids is that sometimes in the moment when people are dysregulated, it is not the time. 
And I had to learn that the very hard way of continually saying, well, this is the time. This is what we're going to do. And then learning, wait, we're not, no one's regulated. Now I'm unregulated. You're unregulated. This is a disaster. <laughs> and so we need to all right. go to bed and re-meet re, re up in the morning. Um, you guys, I'm such a fan of your work. I, I wish that I could fly my entire family to Nashville once a week to come uh, <laughs> to your offices uh and sit down and have well, we'll come to you we love austin so much yes we how do about that how about we just but don't thank come you. and we'll do like a week-long intensive with the ivies and then you know, anyone else <laughs> will have a big counseling session uh i'm just grateful for the things and you have do. lots of tacos lots yes. of tacos and queso and i i really love the way that you're helping equip parents and you know david you said earlier it's really hard to be a parent these days and i think it is there's so many questions everything's different than when we grew up so many new things and um i'm grateful for your resources and your podcast tell us about your podcast we are heading into our fifth season of the raising boys and girls podcast and we're focusing the season on raising emotionally strong and worry-free kids so so many of the very questions you've been asking jamie the really important questions are things we want to spend a lot of time circling around and we love being able to have those conversations together but we love bringing on a lot of experts too and then Another neat thing we're doing like this Jamie summer, Ivey. like Jamie Ivy. Well, I, I don't. I was going to say experts and normal people trying to figure life out. <laughs> brought such people wisdom whose to our time. We trust. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. And then we're doing a, a a series this time with parents in the trenches. You know where we're coming together. We just did this great had this great conversation with some parents who have young adult kids, and it's that beautiful perspective they could speak to for parents of younger so saying, okay, here's something I wish I'd known then. Here's something I wish I hadn't worried as much about. And so it's been a fun place to have a lot of great, rich, meaningful conversations. You know, I was with my boys. I took two of my boys on a trip this weekend, and I just, had the best time with them and they're both juniors and it, i just can all been my feelings about you know a year and a half left with these two and we were eating dinner at, or we were eating breakfast at this place in dallas and there's a cute young family with a toddler i mean had to have been you know 18 20 months and there was this very little water pond and the toddler was putting their hands in it playing and then they stepped into it and the parents like freaked out and in my mind, as I'm sitting there with my 17-year-old and my 16-year-old, I thought to myself, and look, I can almost get teary. I don't know why this is making me cry, but I thought to myself, just let them play in the water. Because yes. you know what? One day, you're going to be sitting with your 17 and 16-year-old and be like, what was the water? Like, who cares? And so I love yes. that you guys are bringing those people who are seasoned and can look back and say, like, just let them play in the water. Everything's going to be okay. And I want to tell you guys, the last seasons that you've done, I wrote them down because they're so good. Season one was Are My Kids on Track? Season two, Wild Things and Raising Girls. Season four, Intentional Parenting. I mean, season three, Intentional Parenting. Season four, Modern Parent Vintage Values. And super excited. Um, love what you guys are doing. I would love to know. As we close up, what are you guys reading these days? Jamie wants to know. Jamie wants to know. We want to know what you're reading. I am reading Shauna Nequist's great book that I think you love too. I guess I haven't learned that yet. And I, I, I'm really close to being finished and I just don't want to finish it because I've loved it so much. And I've talked about it so often with families, especially with kids who have anxiety and are putting so much pressure on themselves. Just even the title feels like a gift to all of us. Oh, she's one of my favorite writers. So I loved that book yes, as well. Yes, me too. Yes. 
I just am finishing our dear friend Scott Sauls wrote a book called Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, just how God redeems regret and fear in the making of, of amazing humans. And I love that book, love that man. And we had to have a conversation with him. So I'd read a little heading into that conversation, but I'm excited to finish and, and love his work and his voice. I agree. I also love Scott Sauls and love that book He's as well. Great man. You guys, thanks for coming on the happy hour. And I encourage everyone listening to go read your books, go listen to your podcasts. Um, super helpful in this uh, day of parenting. Thank, thank you, guys. You. Thank you, friend. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the happy hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to give you, and every opportunity we get to point all of us to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is the number one way that people find out about our show. It's because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that will make us think, they'll make us laugh, and they'll always point us back to Jesus. And come find me other places on the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm over there at Jamie Ivy. And if you've never visited my YouTube page, you're going to want to go there. Have you ever listened to a show and wondered, I wonder what they look like? Well, go find us over there. It's jamieivy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts. Executive produced by Jamie Ivy, produced by Lindsay Sweeney, edited by Angie Elkins, show notes by Ashley Miner, art by Jen Jet Barrett, original music by Matt Graham, and I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.